Peter Walker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me in the studio is Carrie Kaufman and you're coming back for a second time so welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Well the last one we did it got such a great response I thought yeah we need to get you back on. Awesome. Now today's topic what we're going to be covering is actually caring for employees because it's it's interesting I mean we did our last video and so many people came back with how important it is to care for employees and it seems that people are not doing it out there so I thought it would be a good topic of a conversation yeah I agree I actually just did an interview a little bit ago and they were um, asking about how do you get more commitment out of employees and this person is in a different country our economy right now in the US is booming unemployment's really low um, so we're having challenges with recruiting because there's not a lot of talent that's available and job searching his economy is the opposite uh, they're having financial challenges or having to do layoffs and so but the answer is the same absolutely if you're uh, in a unemployment's high unemployment's low you still have to retain good people and caring for them is one of the keys to doing that so what we're going to look we're going to look at the six the six top ways you can actually care for your employees and help retain them and get their buy-in commitment and for me number one it all starts with the how you interview and I cannot begin to tell you how often I see interviews where these people think that they're frigging they're like the apprentice <laughs> they're, they're sitting there high and mighty and grilling the poor person and it's like if they don't break down and cry or anything then they get the job no you don't do that why would you want to go into an interview and make someone feel like a shell shit and uncomfortable yeah, I think the opposite end of that spectrum is no structure at all. Yeah. And just we'll yeah. just sit down and have a chat and see how we feel about it. But they're not actually doing a proper due diligence on either end. So it needs to be a strong middle ground where actually you're connecting with the person. You're having a proper conversation. And really at the interview stage you're working out whether you're both right for each other. And if you can't get the interview stage right, you're good you're starting off on the back foot. And most people out there don't have a proper interviewing process in place. In fact, they don't have a proper recruitment process in place because no one ever teaches on entrepreneurs that. And if you haven't got that in place and you really want to sharpen up your skills around the interviewing process, I strongly suggest getting Jeff Smart's book. Who? Because yep. that's a really good book for yep. entrepreneurs and it's geared towards people that started up their business that none need to learn how to recruit. Yeah, many of my clients use that as a textbook, step-by-step yeah. step to conduct a great interview, particularly for um, high-paying positions when there's a lot of risk. So once we've got the interview in stage right, that's step one. What in your mind is step two? The, I think one of the primary things that keeps employees happy is that they actually enjoy their job. <laughs> so the little things that you can do to build a relationship taking the time to ask about their weekend to make sure everybody is actually having a good time that the relationships are being formed amongst their peers and their coworkers, and certainly amongst between you as their manager and the employee so in order to show employees that you care you have to actually demonstrate that you care by asking questions getting to know them as a person getting to know about their interests but isn't it a weakness though in leadership? Isn't it a weakness? We can't show that we're soft. Mm, yes. At the end of the day, people will follow people that they know, like, and trust. So if there's no uh, real level of knowing or being known, 
then there can't be trust, there can't be loyalty if there's no relationship to build it on. So really what we're saying is that the leaders within the business need to get to know their people. Absolutely. Really get to know them, not just a, on the surface. And it's quite interesting because I hear, I hear people absolutely smash millennials. That they're lazy, that they're coffee drinking, beanbag sitting, mm -hmm. etc. But the reality is, they may be all of those things, but they're also damn good employees as well. The challenge is, is when we don't have that connection with them. The reason we don't have that connection is the world's changed. People are still trying to manage people using industrial methods, industrial age methodology, where really back in the days of industrial age, it was beat them with a big stick and give them a little carrot as a, okay, sorry I've beaten you. Here's a carrot, here's something you move towards. And if the boss was really shitty, he'd beat them with a carrot as well. <laughs> but that doesn't work anymore. Today you've got to be really connected with your people and people will not tolerate bad behavior. So if you really want to make a difference, you've got to connect with your people. And if you don't feel you can connect with your people, you need to do the work on yourself first as well. Absolutely. Because actually you get the team you deserve. And if your people are leaving you, or they're not coming to you, you've got to ask yourself the question, if life's a mirror, you are getting what you deserve. What do you need to change about you? Ouch. It is painful, isn't it? <laughs> and number three, for me, it's about being more pastor-like. When we're leaders in a business, we have a huge sense of obligation to our people. We very much are responsible for helping them maintain both great physical environments in which they work and live in, and educating them around that, but also more importantly, making sure that their mental health is strong and clean. And the, my clients that have their best success are the ones where we're teaching them life skills as well. Not just about doing the jobs, but how to cope with life. Because so many people find it difficult to cope with life. It's just, it's just, it always has been, always will be. I don't know what your take on that is. Absolutely, when you help a person grow as a person, a natural byproduct of that, when they're at their best, is that they perform better. So not only is that part of caring for people, demonstrating that you do, but it helps you get the best out of them. Because uh, when they're healthy, when they feel strong and confident and uh, invested in, then they respond accordingly. And that makes it a huge win-win. So we've got make sure you get your hiring process right. Mm -hmm. We make sure that you demonstrate that you care for your people. And we have to make sure that we're more sort of pastor-like, mm -hmm. that we have that sense of responsibility for our people. Yeah. What's your number four? Setting clear expectations. Right. People like to know what's expected of them. Uh, so, and it's a, helps prevent a lot of frustration, right? Conflict arises when expectations differ or when they're unclear. So you maybe had an experience where you've had an employee that you were frustrated with, that they were underperforming, and they actually thought they were doing a fantastic job. That's your fault. If they don't know that they're not meeting expectations or their definition of a solid performance differs from your expectations, then you're not actually doing them any favors. So set clear expectations, what are the outcomes, the key performance indicators, uh, the training that's needed, and then help them get there. If you think about it like giving the answers to the test. You know, here's exactly what you need to do to win here, 
and here's how we're going to help you get there with that regular feedback along the way. So it's no longer acceptable to just say to someone, well, here's your desk, I'll just leave you to it. Right. Because yeah. If, yeah, we're, we're laughing about it, but I cannot tell you the countless businesses that will do that. They'll hire people because they're really busy, but because they're so busy, they don't take the time out. And when they don't take the time out, they don't set the expectations. Mm -hmm. Nature abhors a vacuum. If we don't set the expectation, something else will fit its place. Yep. And maybe often it's a heap load of negativity, unhappiness, and yep. trash. I think sometimes it comes from a a better a place of better intentions because we think, well, we've hired smart people. Just let them do their job. I don't want to micromanage. They're intelligent. Well, they'll figure it out. But that doesn't actually work. You know, when they're kind of left to their own devices. So. If you take that intelligence and that experience and you package it with a little bit of structure, mm -hmm. um, not with micromanaging, but just with clear expectations and, and guidelines and boundaries, people actually really thrive in that. Even, even somebody who would define themselves as very free-spirited still thrives in structure. There's freedom in structure. Yep. So for me, number five probably will be, you need to make sure that the people you hire are doing worthwhile work. So there's nothing worse for people than feeling that the job that they're doing doesn't relate to anything, that it doesn't make a difference, that they're just getting a paycheck. Now that worked in the 80s, the 90s and the noughties, that worked during then because people didn't have many options. Listen, the reality is today people have got so many options. They want to be doing stuff. You've got to look at people you are recruiting. We are getting older, the workforce is getting younger. They think differently, they behave differently. They want to do worthwhile work. The challenge I find is that most businesses don't understand really what their purpose is. They haven't worked out what a worthwhile business is. Now earning a lot of money and driving fast cars is fantastic, but it's not a worthwhile cause necessarily. You've got to be thinking that people are not necessarily vested in helping you buy in your McLaren, your Lamborghini. Yeah, great. You need to show them a bigger purpose. You need to show them actually what are we doing to make a difference. And the byproduct of that, if they, we do it well, is the Porsche, the Lamborghini, whatever the houses. But people will not settle today for just doing a job. That's finished. Yeah, yeah. research shows that over and over. The number yeah. one contributor to job satisfaction is that they have a sense of purpose, that they know they're contributing something worthwhile and that it's appreciated. And what will be your final? My final tip would be to pay them well, to pay them what they deserve, and I certainly mean their compensation package, um, but even other little bonuses and perks that you, that you might offer as an employer um, that oftentimes are worth far more than just what's in their paycheck. Yeah, they have these sort of little ancillary things that you do um, just to make the environment fun and worthwhile, and uh, that sense of community we discussed. But I see a lot of business owners just trying to get by with paying the least that they can. And they think, well, I can't afford that extra 10% uh, in, in salary or in other um, compensation. But the truth is the A players cost 10 to 20% more, but they produce 50 to 100% more. And if you've ever lost a great employee, some, one of the ones that you hated to see go, but maybe they've left to take another job, and you look back and you say, how much do I wish I would have, what would I, do I wish I would have offered them? What would have taken to retain them um, looking back in hindsight? And then look at everybody that you've got left 
and say, am I treating them with the respect? Am I paying them appropriately? Am I making it impossible for them to even consider an offer from my competitor because they're so valued here, they're treated so well, they're paid what, we, what they deserve, and they do good work and all the other things we've discussed. And that's the, and that's the big, big challenge, isn't it? Is that a lot of people still try to recompense based on how hard you work. You need to get that out of your head. That was industrial age thinking. Working really, really hard is industrial age thinking. What you've got to be thinking about is how much value someone can sort of bring. And if you start compensating people based on the value that they bring, that's when you start getting huge returns on your investment. Yep, you're buying results, not time. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if anything we discussed today resonates with you and you want to sort of do a deep, deeper dive on it, head over to Booker.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Thank you, Kerry. Thanks, Peter.